Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters Podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder, chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'll be your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by our co-host, Taylor Fulton, who's the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good evening. How are you? Oh, good evening. I'm doing very well. So I think from the last time, our last podcast, baby Nico is now three months, or my grandson, your son, three months old. How's, how's fatherhood? Uh, well, I don't remember the last three months, so it feels like we did the last podcast yesterday. I guess that's a good thing. Time's flying, but uh, I think I'm getting the hang of it. How do you had a trip to Kansas City recently for a baptism that your mom and I were very fortunate to be a part of? So he, he made his first road trip. He did. Yeah, we really ripped the Band-Aid off. I drove 16 hours from Atlanta to Kansas City. So we have confirmed that he does travel well. I'm not sure we'll do it again, but uh, it was a positive experience all in all. Good, good. Well, Taylor, I'm really excited about tonight's podcast. We have Alina Lee, who is a an attorney here in Atlanta, has her own law firm. And one, we're going to learn, I know, a little bit about the law in different respects. But she has also very rapidly grown her firm size-wise and revenue-wise quicker than I think many would, would probably have expected. And I'm not surprised, but she's done quite well in a very short period of time. So Alina, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, Taylor, a little bit of, about Alina. She started off, her undergraduate studies were at a small state school in Athens, UGA, Alina was a young prodigy in golf and was on a golf scholarship at University of Georgia, continues to play a lot of golf. She got her law degree at Vanderbilt University. After graduating from law school, she worked for several prominent law firms in Atlanta, and then she worked as counsel for a couple large companies in Atlanta, including the Southern Company and MailChimp. And then she lost her mind and decided to start her own practice. And that's when I first met Alina. And in but less than two years, she now has a staff of nine, I think, total employees, seven of which are attorneys, and I think has eclipsed the $1 million mark in revenue or close to, which is very impressive for a very young law firm. So a lot to talk about tonight with Alina. But Alina, we always start off our podcast with a very simple question, and that is, what is it that you do that matters to small business? Well, Tim, I serve as outside general counsel to a lot of small businesses. Our attorneys are located in Atlanta and California. And so we primarily support small businesses in the state of Georgia, California, and we have clients in New York as well. Good. And what led you to start your firm? I, I gave our listeners a short bio. What led to you wanting to start your own firm? Well, work-life balance and general well-being in the legal profession is something that's really near and dear to my heart. It's something that I first learned about when I was in law school. And I learned about the high rates of depression and anxiety among law students and young attorneys. And ever since then, I just felt very strongly that the practice of law can be a 
you know, a wonderful and fulfilling job. There's nothing about the practice of law that makes it a job that's so difficult and stressful that there's like the high rates that justify the high rates of depression and anxiety. So I wanted to start my version of my dream law firm where we provide true work-life balance and flexibility to everyone at our company. And so everyone at our firm can choose to work between 15 and 40 hours a week. And in fact, the majority of our attorneys and non-attorneys work between 15 and 25 hours a week. Um, And they are fully remote and fully flexible. Several of our folks only work, for example, four days a week. Wow. I want to learn all about that model and how I can get in the fun because I definitely don't work 15 hours and I uh, would love to. But before we get to that, uh, I'm curious. I don't have a ton of experience working with law firms, but I would imagine that one that specializes in marketing is somewhat unique. So I'm I'm curious uh, how you decided to go into that specific field uh, and then maybe just broader for our listeners, what types of, of cases or issues that you deal with frequently? Happy to chat about it. So I actually just got back from the largest legal conference for marketing law attorneys. And they do a conference once a year. It's hosted by the ANA, which I believe is the Association of National Advertisers. And there were 600 of us attorneys and paralegals who went to this conference. And that really is everyone who is active in the marketing law space pretty much goes to this one conference. So yeah, it's a pretty small group of us, like I said, about 600. And certainly not everybody goes, but everybody who is a big player goes to this conference. So, you know, that's across the country and even people outside of the United States, a lot of Canadians. And so it is a small community. The type of work that we do, I will say, is primarily for larger enterprise level clients or companies who have just a large number of clients. So for example, if you're in the e-commerce space and you're selling to a large number of people, you probably need to have a marketing law attorney. And some of the issues that I help with are things from like reviewing TV ads, radio ads, email marketing campaigns, digital ads. I also structure contests, sweepstakes, referral programs, loyalty programs. And, you know, I also negotiate influencer contracts, help negotiate marketing agency agreements, help with insertion orders for billboards and TV. And then I do full review of all of the marketing copy, which is the words in your marketing campaigns to make sure the words as well as the images that are used in your campaign don't run afoul of of any laws. And there are federal laws as well as state laws that apply to your marketing campaigns. So Alina, ever since I've met you, I've always been as impressed with you as an entrepreneur, as as an attorney, and my sense is you enjoy both. How would you describe, now you've got your own law firm, you're the CEO of of this business, how would you describe your role as the leader of the firm? What are you responsible for? I'm working on this, but I think ultimately I'm I'm currently still responsible for quite a lot. I've got a total of 11 folks at my law firm now, and seven of them are employees and four are contractors. I think the 
most important tasks are creating the overall vision and strategy for the law firm and ensuring that my people and my clients, my people meaning my team uh, and my clients feel valued and feel happy in general with the work uh, that we're doing. And so when working with these, these clients, what are some of the typical, I don't call them issues, but is it, are there things that when you don't have an attorney like yourself looking at them, that is easy to kind of get trapped into or just common misconceptions? Sure. I do a lot of intellectual property law more generally, and people don't, most people don't understand the different types of intellectual property that are involved in their business. So for example, the name of their business and their logo is going to be protected by trademark law. And if they want to prevent other people from using their same name or very similar logo, you know, they should look into options to protect their name and logo. For example, through registering their name and logo with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And then a lot of the work that they create may be covered by copyright law. So that would include their website, any marketing materials they create, and also like any thoughts or ideas that are written down uh, would be, as well as photographs, um, those things are all protected by copyright law. And so understanding, you know, how they can protect their intellectual property law is something that a lot of uh, businesses don't necessarily think about. But when it comes time to selling their business or bringing on investors, uh, you know, those things definitely add up and can can make a difference, as well as just protecting in general the money that's coming in the door and the money that's going out the door. And we can talk about some of those strategies as well, if you'd like. Alina, I'm, I'm, I want to come back to the entrepreneur, and it's a two-part question. What's the biggest challenge that you have faced in, in starting and growing your business and second, what have you been most surprised by? Biggest challenge and biggest surprise. Well, the biggest surprise is easy. So I'm going to answer that one. And that is just how well I think the firm is doing. When I first created my business plan uh, before I started my firm, I never thought I was going to grow this big um, or this fast. And I also you know, I wanted to be happy and I wanted to create a wonderful firm, but I didn't know whether I'd really be able to accomplish that. And I think I've really exceeded my expectations as far as just how happy I am, how happy I think my team is and, um, and how, how fast our law firm has grown. Um, it's really exceeded all of my wildest dreams. As far as my biggest, you know, hurdle, that was definitely, I think, the first nine months that I had my law firm. Uh, Tim, you were with me. I think I hired you or started working with you, I should say, around like month four. And I was, it was a really hard time for me. I, was, I had a lot of doubts. I didn't know whether I had made the right decision. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be uh, to make money in my first 12 months. And I did not realize until after I had started my firm how many businesses don't make money in their first year. It wasn't until you told me that. And so just hiring you and working with you uh, was one of the best decisions I made 
And, you know, you've consistently supported me and encouraged me. And I think that's a big reason why I'm, I've been as successful as I am today. Thank you. Alina, what are some things that starting your own firm, kind of going the entrepreneurial route that, that maybe surprised you or that uh, you had to learn uh, on the job, if you will, over the past couple of years? I think hiring has been quite difficult, although I have had a lot of success in that area. I'm really, really proud of my team. And I believe every single person on my team is an A plus employee. That's taken a lot of time and effort. Mm-hmm. And so hiring quality people and sometimes having to make that difficult decision of quickly realizing when someone is not a good fit has made a very big difference in the overall, I would say, productivity and happiness of my team and myself. Awesome. And that's certainly certainly a challenge for many business owners that and and some never quite get the hang of that. And 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 you've been successful in bringing on good people. So I'm I'm gonna ask you a different question. I mentioned in your introduction that you were on a golf scholarship and were nationally ranked as a golfer as, as a junior and continue to play a lot of golf and enjoy that. I've got to think there's some connection between the game of golf, playing the game of golf, accelerating at the game of golf, and growing a business. There's gotta be some some commonality there. Is it is it, am I accurate? Is there something between those two to talk about that? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of parallels. And I think that golf has helped me tremendously (laughs) in starting my law firm. I think, first of all, having a plan (laughs) is very important. I think that playing, you know, college level division one collegiate golf, you have to be, uh, you have to have a good plan and you have to execute on your plan. And I think that has helped me a lot throughout my journey as an entrepreneur, also just perseverance. Things in golf rarely go your way. In fact, you hit lots of bad shots and being able to brush it off and quickly pivot and move forward in a productive manner is absolutely critical to putting together a good score because every single golfer is going to hit bad shots, but it's a matter of like how quickly you can recover and how quickly you can get back in the game um, and and hit some good shots. So I, and then also just mentally, I think golf is a very challenging game mentally and and having a, a business is equally, if not more challenging mentally and having, uh, having a support network, like golf taught me that you know, I definitely did not do it on my own. I had a big team behind me helping me. And it was a matter of like, who was I surrounding myself with? Was I surrounding myself with like great coaches, great friends, people who lifted me up and encouraged me to be better? Or did I surround myself with people who were, you know, haters and didn't support me? And of course, like, I think that I learned that, you know, just being around the right people who can take you to the next level often is the biggest difference between being a winner and and not being a winner. Great answer. And and Taylor and I have played a lot of golf over the years, and he'll tell you that, you know, I I tend to not want to keep score, you know, for good reason. And that probably is why my game has never improved. 
And, and, you know, it's like business. If you're not keeping score, you know, what chances do you have of getting better, of improving? And, and that, that's, that's certainly a, a good takeaway from that. Uh, Taylor? Yeah, just to add on to that, that's probably the reason if you ever look at our scorecards, you'll just see triple bogeys across every hole. <laughs> and those are on the good holes. Those are on the good holes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Lena, I want to turn back to your, your work-life balance model uh, that I find very interesting. Uh, you, you touched on kind of the, the purpose behind that, uh, but how do, you, how do you operationalize that? Like, uh, how do you ensure, one, that work's getting done uh, by also maintaining uh, sort of your promise to your team that you're going to have flexible hours that aren't traditional in the normal kind of law environment? Well, the accountability part is pretty easy, I think, because we still use the billable hour model. So they mm -hmm. have to input their billable hours. And I can pretty quickly look at their billable hours and say, like, first of all, have you met your billable hour requirement? So first of all, once you choose the number of hours, if you're an attorney, once you've chosen the number of hours you want to work, your billable hour requirement is two thirds of that. Your tar is the minimum to basically keep your job. And then it's 75% is your uh, target. And so you can calculate what your minimum billable hours are and to stay on track. And you either enter them into the billable hour system or you don't enter them. And if you don't enter them, there's an issue. And if you do enter them, uh, congratulations, you completed step one. Step two is, you know, I take a look at the bills and make sure that they are fair, that the tasks that in the descriptions that you've described is like the correct and reasonable amount of time that you're spending on those particular tasks. My attorneys know I review how many hours they're billing every month. In fact, everybody gets a report on how many billable hours they've they've had. And also I review all of the bills. And if I am having to cut their hours because I think that they're spending too much time on something, I'm able to have a conversation with them to talk them about why their hour, why they spent more time than I think they should have. And so you only need to have those conversations once or twice before the person realizes like they need to really be working during those times and that they can't like abuse the system, so to speak. For my folks who don't bill, I still do have accountability built into the process. They need to provide me with a list of their top priorities each week and also their list of top accomplishments. And so that way I'm able to see, okay, what did they accomplish last week? What are they saying they're going to accomplish this week? And I also can simultaneously help them to prioritize their tasks as well. And then to follow up on that, Going back to the hiring process, is there a typical like a type of person that you're looking for for this this type of model? Is it somebody who's, I guess, freelancing for lack of a better word and kind of doing other things, or is it somebody at a stage in their career that they just want to slow down, or or someone that just shares your your kind of passion for this mindset and and sort of the flexibility that comes with it? Most people definitely share the mindset. I would say that you know we definitely don't pay as much as big law. I, I think on a prorated basis, we are fairly close, right? Mm -hmm. On a prorated hourly basis, we're close. But if you're working 15 hours a week, it's going to be much less than, you know, for example, what a big law attorney is is billing, you know, 40 sure. to 50 hours a week and working closer to 70 hours a week. I think that finding the 
people, well, first of all, I do allow people to work up to 40 hours a week. And so I, and I do have uh, one, well, there's two, two of us, myself and another attorney who do work full time, 40 hours a week. The rest, I think it's people who like really want flexibility. They really buy into the fact that like work is a small part of their life and not a big part of their life. And there's so many more things that they want to do and accomplish in their life other than work. And that work is just like something that's important and rewarding to them. And that's why they join our firm because we do, I think, excellent legal work for some of the biggest, coolest brands in the world. But at the end of the day, there's like many other things that are important to them and they want to dedicate their time and their life to those other things. Alina, as you think back over the last a little over two years now that you've had your own practice. I'd like to hear your what, what's been your best mistake, uh, something that turned out, a mistake that you made that turned out well, and what's been the worst mistake that you've made? I've definitely made a lot of mistakes. I, I think that the, the quote-unquote best mistakes are just like realizing quickly that I made a mistake and quickly adjusting and pivoting. I think that for example, actually, I would say like one of the worst mistakes I made was I entered into a long-term contract for lead generation service that really didn't generate any leads. But because I it was a long-term agreement, I, I couldn't I couldn't get out of it. So I had to um, actually, in fact, I'm still paying for this service that doesn't bring any value to me. However, I think in business you 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 win some, you lose some. I definitely am losing on that one, but I've taken other risks. I didn't know how they were gonna pan out and I've won big on lots of other things. So I think that, you know, I definitely regret entering into that long-term contract. I think that in general, I think besides that, I have not entered into any contracts that are have a term of more than one year. <laughs> uh, but so I've learned my lesson. Let's see best mistake, something that's worked out well. I mean, I, I, I think it's hard for me to, to say what that is, but I know that when I started my own law firm, a lot of people did not support me. A lot of people thought I was making a big mistake by starting my own law firm. I was a reputable, fairly successful, fairly well-known attorney with a strong career, a strong and bright future, I think. Both when I was in, in in private practice, in big law, so to speak, as well as when I was an in-house lawyer and people just thought like, why was I throwing that all out the window to do something that was really risky? But, you know, Frank, now, now that I'm, and actually I did want to correct, I am actually, it'll, it's been over two and a half years now that I have had my firm and I've exceeded everybody's expectations, including my own. So I'm really glad that I, I chose this path and I can't really imagine going back <laughs> or doing anything else at this point. So that, that begs the question then what's, what's next? What is, what's next on the roadmap for, uh, for your firm? I have been thinking a lot about growth and scaling Right now, I own my law firm 100%, and I have a, a team of 11, including me. It's quite difficult for me to consider like scaling or growing my team much beyond that if I am the only person leading the company because I still need to bill, plus I need to lead my team. There's only so much of me to go around. Um, and so I have been looking into finding a partner to join me who 
can bring in a lot of clients and also help me manage the firm or finding somebody who is, for example, a W-2 employee to help me manage and train my team so that I can continue to spend more time on business development. Last question from me, Alina, and then Taylor is going to take you to our rapid fire questions. So it's it's hard to pick up a, a newspaper on any given day and not read about the, the mental health crisis that we face in this country. And you've spoken publicly about this. What advice would you have today for whether it's a, a business owner, maybe a young attorney, or just a young person who's struggling with, with mental health? What, what recommendations, what suggestions would you have for that person? I would say, first of all, you're not alone, that I'm right there with you. And that I think for every single person who's lived through COVID um, has gone through some sort of trauma. And it's impacted all of us in lots of different ways. And that just like you go to the gym or whatever your preferred form of exercise is, or you hopefully go to your doctor once a year, I think seeing a therapist is something that's just a prudent thing to do to take care of your mental health. Even if you don't think you need a therapist, I think talking to a therapist can help you to see issues from a different perspective and and help uh, you become a better person. I will say that my therapist has helped me tremendously. I feel like I'm a better, more compassionate human because I see a therapist regularly. Thank you. Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest this evening is Alina Lee, highly rated uh, attorney and successful entrepreneur. Alina, we're now going to go to, this is Taylor's favorite part of the program. It's rapid fire questions. He's going to ask you questions. He's looking for short answers. Uh, you're going to give him your best answer. He's going to try to stump you. I'm betting on you. Taylor, go ahead. All right. I'm just pulling up my list here. So since we're on a podcast, I'm curious to know what is your favorite podcast or book? I'll throw a book in there since we don't have a ton of, of podcast listeners sometimes. Sure. I, I recently finished reading Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, and I highly recommend it. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's a collection of short essays uh, about just like going through life and, and life advice. And there's there's so many amazing lessons to be learned in that book. Awesome. Great rec. Uh, next, since you are uh, an avid golfer, what is your favorite golf course to play, either locally or uh, just in general? I've been able to play the Augusta National twice because ah. I played on the University of Georgia's women's golf team and they invited, uh, they usually invite us out once a year. So that is probably the coolest course I've ever played. As far as courses I have access to playing, uh, I recently joined Country Club Sapphire Valley in North Carolina, and it's probably my favorite golf course. Awesome. And both really good, really good, uh, really good courses. So being an Atlanta native, I'm a, I'm a bit of a foodie, so I'm always curious, what's your favorite restaurant? I would have to pick either uh, Sushi Hayakawa, which I think they recently changed to a Midtown location. I think it's just Hayakawa now. 
they are Michelin star rated now in Atlanta. Mm. And as for just like kind of, that's for fancy, fancy pants food. And then kind of more everyday food. I love Tabla, which is my favorite Indian restaurant in the world. In fact, when I went to India a few years ago, I complained to our guide that it wasn't as good as Tabla. Really? Wow. That says something, huh? All right. A couple more for you. I know we're kind of in the the dwells of, of, I guess it's fall, almost winter. But thinking about vacations, what is your favorite vacation spot? Well, last year I got to go to Japan and Norway. And so those were my two favorite spots so far. I really want to go back to both countries. I also really love Iceland. Oh, that all sounds amazing. I can tell you're a traveler. Uh, and then last but not least, this is probably my dad's favorite and maybe the toughest. Um, in the movie about Alina, which actress plays Alina? You're stumping me. Uh, well, first of all, there aren't that many Asian actresses. So that definitely kind of reduces the number. Of, I guess I would say like she's not Asian, but I really do like um Reese Witherspoon, I think that her, sometimes people kind of, she plays characters where people kind of underestimate her and then she is able to kind of exceed their expectations. And I feel like that reflects, I think how I felt a lot in my life. Usually I'm kind of the youngest person. I also look very young. I am literally young and I look young. And so people have a tendency, I think, to underestimate my abilities. And then I think in general, I've been able to exceed (laughs) what they thought was possible for me. Man, what a great answer. Uh, And timely, I just wrapped up season three of the morning show last night. Uh, And we, Reese Willis Witherspoon is is always great um, in that show. So, all right, that's rapid fire. Thank you. Great choice. And I'm tallying up the score and Alina, it's a blowout. Uh, you are you are the victor in, in tonight's rapid fire questions. Congratulations. Alina, I'm sure that uh, a number of our listeners will want to reach out to you after today's podcast. What's the easiest way for them to reach you? Well, you can email me at alina at youradattorney.com. Um, and you can go to my website, youradattorney.com. And if you click the upper right button, there's a way to schedule a call with me. And that actually is connected to my calendar. And you can uh, pretty easily book a 15-minute call with me. Um, and I would love to help you. If you have a small business and you don't have a go-to attorney, I would love to be your outside general counsel. I would second that. I would recommend Alina to any of our small business uh, friends in in the audience. Alina, thank you again for being with us. As always, our time goes so fast. I hope that you will come back and, and be with us again sometime in the future. I would love to. Thank you, Tim. And thank You're you, Taylor. You're welcome. Taylor, it's been a busy month in the, uh, the small business matters uh, nation, so to speak. Our boot camp is nearing the fourth module, getting closer to the end of that program. We've got a great group in that. Uh, Mastermind group just had uh, their retreat recently. In fact, uh, Alina was a part of that last month, uh, took a full day retreat. I want to remind our listeners, if you're not already a subscriber to the Small Business Matters newsletter, you can subscribe on our website at www.smallbusinessmattersonline.com. I also want to remind our listeners 
to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, the Small Business Matters podcast. We don't want you to miss a single podcast. Taylor, did I leave anything out? I don't think so. Busy times, busy times. Yeah, yeah. we're nearing the, the holiday time, and that's always always my, my favorite part of the year as we approach the, the holidays and, and the end of the year. So listeners, thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening to this. Small Business Matters podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.